which somehow started a global pandemic. People of the world agreed to a two-week quarantine and it somehow turned into a year of shopping for grapes at Walmart with underwear on your head. Some experts disagree with the experts, but the experts agreed that the only experts that were the experts were the experts who agreed with the experts. The scientific method was replaced 
with artificial consensus by multinational corporations utilizing mass hysteria. Eventually, other citizens agreed to take a vaccine that wasn't actually a vaccine, but was only called a vaccine for marketing and legal purposes. The experimental gene therapy was coincidentally promoted by the same people who had officially stated previously that their goal was global population reduction, but was not in any way correlated to their previously stated goal of global population reduction. Magically, everything returned to normal, and the good citizens were given a lollipop. First of all, I'm not a misogynist, because a misogynist is someone that puts down women. I exalt women to their rightful role. Women are supposed to be women, not men. And every time somebody says that a woman is equal to a man and does what a man could do, and you're, you're actually abusing and, and, and de de denigrating women. Women have a unique uh, purpose, and they're special. They're fearfully and wonderfully made by God. I support women. So I'm not a misogynist. I don't put down, you're putting down women by saying women can be men. You're putting down women by saying transgenders can be women. No, they can never be women. Women are special and no man can just convert and say I'm a woman today. You're putting down women by saying... For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Negotiations over a free trade deal between Australia and the European Union have broken down again as the two sides failed to overcome hurdles. Australian Trade Minister Don Farrell, who is currently visiting Japan for a G7 meeting, held sideline talks with his European counterparts during the two-day event in an effort to ink a last-minute deal before the bloc enters its election cycle in 2024. However, the talks did not go well and the trade minister pulled out of negotiations, causing the deal to remain in limbo. Mr. Farrell said in a statement that his job as Australia's trade minister is to get the best deal that they can for their producers, their businesses, their workers and their consumers. Unfortunately, they have not been able to make progress. Negotiations will continue, and he's hopeful that one day they will sign a deal that benefits both Australia and their European friends. While speaking about the mass demonstrations against Israel that took place in Turkey with the support of President Erdogan, House Foreign Affairs Committee Chair Michael McCall told Fox News Sunday that we're seeing the solidification of a Russia-China-Iran bloc against the West. The president stood there, Erdogan, and said that Israel is an occupier. He said they are committing war crimes. He says Hamas is not a terrorist organization. This is a NATO ally of ours. What do you say to Turkey at this moment? A precarious NATO ally that wouldn't let uh, you know Sweden into NATO for a while. Hopefully they will now. I would, I would tell them to, to stop, stop this. But historically, look, this is part of the Ottoman Empire. It goes way back to... Turkish roots. I think Erdogan envisions himself as an Ottoman uh, Empire ruler, if you will. Uh, but yeah, the fact that he's supporting Hamas and is a NATO ally, and guess who else is? Mr. Putin. Hamas mm -hmm. visited him at the Kremlin, mm -hmm. um, and we're seeing now the solidification of Russia, China, and Iran all together in this. They're all allies against the West and the United States. U.S. President Joe Biden has pledged that Washington will stand forever with Israel and is currently pushing Congress to authorize a $14 billion package of military aid for the Jewish state. Meanwhile, Iranian Foreign Minister Hossein Amir Abdalian spoke to the U.N. General Assembly in New York on Thursday and gave a warning to the United States. The history of Iranian civilization shows that we have always supported peace and security. But today in New York, and the United Nations, I say frankly to the American statesmen who are now managing the genocide in Palestine that we do not welcome to expansion of the war in the region. But I warn 
If the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this fire. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says it's certain that Iran will retaliate. This was a very fiery statement by the Iranian foreign minister with the United Nations as the backdrop. And what he's effectively done here is draw a very, very clear red line. And he's daring the United States to cross that red line. If the U.S. wants to escalate, then Iran is going to initiate a response. And we've actually had this situation unfold even in the last 24 hours. The United States has killed Iranian special forces in Syria. The United States has chosen to escalate. It's certain that Iran will retaliate. The question is, how are they going to retaliate and in what form? The last time they did this in January 2020, Iran fired a missile and absolutely flattened a U.S. base, the al-Assad military facility in Iraq. And guess what the U.S. did in response? Nothing. They couldn't do anything. And this is the strategic advantage that Iran has in the Middle East. And the United States has no legitimacy to be there to begin with. And everyone knows it. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. You see the IQ tests where it says that men are on one end or the other end of the IQ distribution and women are all gathered in the middle. And, you know, I hear you. Maybe there's some truth to that. But, you know, I just don't believe it. Sorry. And and this is the this is the thing. Like we can look at what the the institutions are telling us and what the media is telling us, or I can look at what's in front of my eye. Man, I'm sorry. But as women, we just lead, we make decisions emotionally. What do you think, guys? If we were so smart, the most important decision of our life, which is picking a husband, don't you think we'd be smart about picking one? Like, seriously, like, don't you think we would be smart and think to ourselves, let me pick a good husband instead of making a baby with a drug dealer (laughs) or a guy that's cheated on every single girlfriend he's ever had or a guy that's... This is a TNT radio encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. Good morning, six past five. Liberty NZ here with me, Grant Edwards, your host. We're looking at extreme temperatures right now. Extreme temperatures, extreme wind, and extreme wetness. Let's have a look. Kai Tire, 17 and a half. But I tell you what, Palmerston North, she's up there too at Seven degree, 17 degrees, so it's all double-digit figures actually in the North Island, it's quite warm. South Island, the lowest place, the lowest temperatures there, we have to be Invercargill, Queenstown and France, Joseph. Timaru, they're all, these are all single digits, Timaru's got 9 degrees, but everybody else is in the double digits. That's pretty good, Ch- Chatham Island's 12 degrees, Stuart's on 10. Stuart, hey Stuart, what should we call that little island south of the South Island? Oh, okay, there we are, that's Wilson Dixon, might play him later on got a few requests to play him let's look at the short forecast shall we oh hang on i better just tell you the other extremes the lowest temperature was recorded in Tianao just moments ago 1.9 millimeters uh, 1.9 degrees now the wettest place is huakatani with 2.6 millimeters of rain falling per hour there um, it's been up in kirikiri until then 
been pretty wet now they've got it down on the east coast it's absolutely pouring down on the east coast at the moment the windiest place is the port hills in christchurch they have 44 kilometers per hour of wind all right let's look at the short forecast for all of new zealand uh, for the west in the west from north into manawatu including the central high country you can expect periods of rain turning to scattered showers this afternoon with thunderstorms possible from waitomo to manawatu for coromandel the bay of plenty Gisborne, Hawke's Bay and the Wairapa and that's where it's all happening actually in the Bay of Plenty, Gisborne and even further out, you know, Tolaga Bay and on, on the east coast it's not so nice out there at the moment but anyway, for Coromandel, the Bay of Plenty Gisborne, Hawke's Bay and the Wairapa you've got rain heavy at times from Hawke's Bay northwards it's turning to scattered showers this afternoon with possible thunderstorms as well nice and warm and you can expect those thunderstorms Horowanua, Kapiti Coast and Wellington, you have cloudy periods with isolated showers, so it's not too bad for you. For Nelson, Marlborough and Buller, scattered rain clearing this morning, but low cloud remaining about the Kaikoura Coast. You'll have isolated afternoon and evening showers with thunderstorms possible as well. For Canterbury, Otago and Southland, fine weather, apart from just low cloud near the coast, with isolated afternoon and evening showers inland. Canterbury with uh, thunderstorms possible too because it's quite warm and uh, that's this is when we get those thunderstorms isn't it yes it is Grant yes how did you because well, I know I've, I've been watching the weather over the years Westland Fjord and fine apart from cloud in the southern Fjordland area just clouds not going to bother you I don't think not really no and that's in the morning and at night just a bit of cloud otherwise it's going to be a beautiful day for Westland Fjordland Western and Fjordland. Now, for the Chathams, what's happening out there? It's fairly warm out there, cloudy periods, rain developing this evening. And so that is the short forecast for New Zealand. The extended forecast for Wednesday, tomorrow, gosh, it's Wednesday already, in the North Island, you can expect cloudy, cloudy periods at times, in times and shattered, uh, shattered scars uh, becoming <laughs> isolated later. In the South Island, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, becoming cloudy in the west with a few showers developing. Areas of fog in the east clearing with isolated showers as well. And uh, let's look ahead to Thursday for the North Island, the um, northern half cloudy with showers. Elsewhere, uh, fine breaks with a few showers. That's what's going to happen there. In the South Island Thursday, rain or showers in the west and south. A few spots of rain everywhere else. And on Friday, right up for the weekend for the North Island, periods of rain clearing in the north, so that's not so bad, easing elsewhere. And then the South Island, rain and showers possibly heavy. So you've got what we're experiencing in the North Island now, although not so bad down there, Wellington. In the Chathams, uh, you've got periods of rain throughout with northerlies. Strong on Wednesday, strong for you tomorrow. Okay, we'll be back in a minute. We'll have a look at the newspapers. When the infamous Goldstone Report excoriated Israel and exonerated Hamas, UN Watch fought the report and changed the debate. I'm the former commander of British forces in Afghanistan. I served with NATO and the United Nations, commanded troops in Northern Ireland, Bosnia and Macedonia, and participated in the Gulf War. Mr. President, based on my knowledge and experience, I can say this. During Operation Cast Lead, the Israeli Defence Forces did more to safeguard the rights of civilians in a combat zone than any other army in the history of warfare. When Colonel Kemp's speech went viral, UN Watch continued to campaign against the Goldstone Report and Judge Goldstone retracted. 
Good on them. Isn't that good? There we are, 12 minutes past five. Grant Edwards here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast. We're having a look at the front pages. We'll start with Radio New Zealand. You can find them at rnz.co.nz. And their front page, their big story there, is New Zealand workplace rules will change against again with each new government. There's an analysis done there. And so whether you're a worker or an employer, uh, the office or in the factory floor, it's likely to move under your feet over the next three years. So things are going to change with the new, um, what the globalist um, bird, the right wing, slightly set left of left of centre, the right wing. Uh, I like the way uh, Samantha Edwards, she says, the, the globalist vulture. <laughs> I love it because they're all just different wings on the same bird, isn't it? We're, they're just heading us towards a one world government. That's where we're going, whether we like it or not. So get your Bible verses sorted out. Make sure you make sure you've got you know where you're going when you kick the bucket because things are going to get pretty bad. I would be holding on for the ride and make sure you're a Christian. Now the other front news is um, on the radio New Zealand is Coromandel weather warnings. They've been extended. State Highway 35 is impassable in Tairawhiti. Uh, Coromandel severe weather warnings have been extended until five o'clock today, Tuesday, as the area continues to be lashed with the ex-tropical cyclone Lola. And a married chocolatier he debuts at the prestigious chocolate event in Paris. Many children grow up dreaming just you know living in a world of chocolate, don't they? The chocolate Willy Wonka and the chocolate family uh, factory, but this guy called Thomas Natana Wright, he looks as white as the uh, he looks as white as a sheet, but apparently he's got some Mary. He's a Mary boy. There he's got the um, he's got the uh, what's that flag in the background there? That's that uh, Maori, the brown supremacist flag. They're flying in the background there, so he's making the most of his um, tinge of Mariness and Israel Gaza conflict. The Pacific vote against the United Nations resolution. They've been criticised by a former. Uh, Prime Minister of Fiji, Manarama, uh, Bunny Manarama. It's always difficult. I find them all, I mean, I struggle with words anyway, but it's not easy. Former, for me, former leader Frank Bunyan, oh, I think Bunny Rama, that'll do, won't it? Baninmarama. Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I, I am Slick's desk. <laughs> he said that Fiji's stance at the United Nations was not one of peace. But instead, he put their, it put their troops that are stationed in Iraq at risk. Well, that's a blimmin' good story, actually. And I tell you what, I know why a lot of those Pacific nations are supporting Israel, and that's because they're Christians and they read the Bible. So Frank, Frank Bannamarama, he's concerned for the Fijian troops, troops in the Middle East after the majority of the Pacific states, including Fiji, voted against the United Nations resolution for a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. Can't have a ceasefire now. You've got to, otherwise Hamas will just give them a chance to, you know, regroup. The United Nations adopted a resolution over the weekend on the protection of civilians and upholding who all voted for, you know, about 90% of them, 80 to 90% of them voted for Hamas. And Hamas's charter says from the river to the sea, we've got to get rid of all the Jews. It's a genus, they, they're the ones that, are, that are, would commit suicide. Uh, suicide. They, are, they do that all the time, but they're the ones that would commit genocide against the Jewish people. They want to get rid of them all. They don't want a two-state solution, by the way. It's just you're absolutely living in cuckoo land if you think that those Arabs are living in there. They're not Palestinians either, but if you think that they want a two-state solution, you've got another thing coming. They certainly don't. Quarter past five, as we read, that the United Nations adopted a resolution over the weekend on the protection of civilians and upholding legal and humanitarian obligations. 
in regulation to the ongoing Gaza crisis. Of course, the United Nations are totally um, anti-Semitic. The vote passed by 120 nations, including stupid New Zealand and the Solomon Islands. I know what they're thinking. Well, the Solomons, they're all a bit, you know, sort of into the into the mumbo-jumbo up there, aren't they? What do they do? They do a bit of that voodoo and stuff like that. So got a friend from the Cooks who said, no, it's not a very good place full of all, you know, they're all into the spirits and stuff like that. So no wonder they went with New Zealand, who's post-Christian now anyway. Anyway, however, the majority of the Pacific states, good on them, Christian, see, they believe the Bible. They've sided with the United States and Israel and the United Kingdom. Oh, so the United Kingdom, well, they're in, it. they're in it for the money. There's a lot of money to be made in war, making bullets and guns and and you know ammunition and stuff like that. There's lots of lots of dosh to be made. And the Catholic Church will be up to their armpits in it as well. They love making money on drugs, or they really they've got the Catholic Church. Boy, they've got some they've got some pharmaceutical stuff going. And you know, look, I've told you, haven't I, that the the pharmakia, the word, the Greek word pharmakia, that's where we get the word pharmacy from, and it's translated into the Old King James Bible, and which is really modern English as we know it today. Believe it or not actually is sort of Anglo-Saxon one and two syllable words but anyway it's translated from pharmakia in the Greek to the word sorcery so that's what we're dealing with here a bunch of sorcerers later on in the program I'll be bringing you a guy called I think his name is Kanka and he's um, and they've actually they're going to be using LSD LSD they're going to be giving it to patients uh, and what's that other one um Ecstasy. They're going to be giving them that. That's what. That's the drugs that these sorcerers are going to be giving people that are suffering from mental disorders, which are probably brought about because of their childhood vaccinations in the first place. It is absolutely disgraceful, and we've got to stop this from happening to young people. If you know anyone, don't let them go near a psychiatrist. They'll, psychiatrists will just, they're sorcerers. They'll put them on drugs, and they'll never be able to get off. They'll be a patient for life a customer for life and it's all about money and when you play the interview which was heard on TNT Radio Live and the guy from Australia was just sort of praising him thinking it's all wonderful but there's an underlying sort of a ribbon there going all the way through this little talk it's only about a minute or or so and and the underlying sort of foundation of it all is about making money and, and investing so you see it's all about making money they don't give a toss about your health they want to make money, and that is a that is very wrong, very very wrong. They've got a conflict of interest, and that is they can make they want to make money out of your misery. So don't do it. Anyway, these these um, nations, um, Israel argue that the ceasefire would give Hamas time to rearm and attack Israel again. Of course, following the massacre of at least one thousand, get this in your head, one thousand four hundred Israeli citizens, most of them were civilians. That happened on October the 7th. Don't forget that. That is the worst atrocity committed against the Jewish people since the Second World War. More than 200, uh, 230, actually, now. We know now, not 220. They were taken hostage. Only four of women, they mostly took women, they were told, these Flemish savages were told by their leaders that came and attacked Israel, kill all the men, take the women hostage, as many as you can. If you take uh, every hostage that you take, any, every female and child, and elderly as well, because they know that, you know, that, that, that's, you know, that's terrorism. That's what they do. And they said, every person you take, you'll get $10,000 in cash and you'll get an apartment building to live in. Might not be very nice, but that's what you'll get. So that's why they're doing it. And they've been interrogating them. The Israeli Defense Force have been interrogating these people, dozens of them that they've captured. They don't shoot you. They t- they'll capture you if they can. They're the most moral army, according to Richard Kemp. He was a colonel 
with the um, Allied Expeditionary Forces. He was in a, he he led all the troops in Afghanistan. He said he's never seen anything like it. How moral the Israeli army are, and the world is believing the lies coming out of Hollywood in Palestine. That's what it is. Pallywood. Look it up. Have a look at it and see what they do. They just they're inflating all the figures. Israel is not carpet bombing. Israel is strategically taking out targets, and they've been following them for a long time. But these bastards. What they do is they've got all the ammunitions under in hospitals in the down in the basements and things like that, and so that they they actually use women and children and hospitals and places like that to store their ammunition. Apparently, they've got like a hundred kilometres of tunnels underneath Gaza, and it's all money that came from Israel. Israel supplies the water to these people. It supplies the power. They owe they owe Israel just to, and Israel keep writing it off. But I think recently it was half. Half a billion dollars in electricity for the, for those those cities. Two point four million people are being kept like hostages in there by these Arabs. That's what they are. They're Egyptians basically, and so they've been kept hostage. They can't get out. They can't come. They can't come through Israel because they're in the middle of a war, and Egypt could have them. There's plenty of room in Egypt for these people. There's only two point four million of them. It's not their land. It belongs to the to the children of Israel. It does. You've got to learn your history. It doesn't just go back a hundred years. It goes back. Look, that that land was first taken by conquest, according to the Bible, and the Bible's true. You can believe it. Jesus said, "Thy word is truth." Well, actually, John wrote it, but Jesus inspired it. John seventeen seventeen, "Thy word is truth." It was given as a promise to Abraham. He said, "Take that land." And Joshua went in and took that land on the in the fourteenth century from the Canaanites, a wicked enemies of God. And God used the Israelites to, to, to punish them because these Canaanites were doing wicked things and God warned them and warned them and warned them and they wouldn't repent of that. You wouldn't change their ways. So God used the children of Israel. He took over that land and he gave it to them. It belongs to them. They're the children of the promise, Israel. And the Romans tried to change the name. They tried to, to take, wipe it off the map. Israel is the name of it. And they, tried, they called it Palestina. Palestine, and it's not, it's Israel, it's always has been, there's never been, been a Palestinian state, and the word Palestinian, no one, no one used that term up until Yasser Arafat, there were just Jews and Arabs living in that area, so that's what we've got happening at the moment, and so it's the, it's the, they're the children of the promise, and this is why those Solomon Islands, they believe the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob changed his name to Israel, that is their land, and Allenby took it from the Ottomans, the Muslim Ottomans in 1917. Big war. On this day, they actually did that. On October the 31st, they took, in 1917, they took it from the Muslim invaders, the Ottoman Empire. The British Empire won. And then, in 1948, they gave it back to the rightful owners, the biblical owners of the area. They didn't give all of it. They should have done. They should have given everything that was entitled to the Jews, but they didn't. And that's why we've got problems now. You've got, they've got their enemies all around them. And if you look at the map, you've got these people, they're just surrounded. They need their, they need their land back and they'll get it back too because it's, that's the promise. And you've got people that are in Israel now that don't believe the Bible, people that are running the country. They're not um, biblical people. They're not, they're not religious Jews. And so they don't believe the promises that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob... The Jews, 
not the half brother Ishmael to the uh, yesterday I mistakenly said the Jewish handmaiden she's not she's an Egyptian handmaiden and that's that's where Abraham and that's the Egyptian handmaiden had a son her name was Hagar and her son was to uh, was um, Abraham and Hagar and Sarah said look I can't have a baby look at me I'm I'm barren didn't believe God would give her a, a child and he did he did but not before she tried to help God didn't believe that God would do that and so he tried to, she tried to help him or both of them well she it was actually really her idea I think wasn't it yes take Hagar have a child with her she had Ishmael the father of the Arab nations all of Arabia comes from him so he's half Jew half Arab so this war is about two half brothers fighting for the promise the Roman Catholics who wrote the Quran who want that land as well because they have a, an idea, their religious idea is, re, is replacement theology. So they teach you that every time you see the word Israel in the Bible, in the Old Testament, it doesn't mean Israel anymore because God's finished with them. They crucified Jesus. He's finished with them. It's all over. Gone. Gone. That's why they told Hitler to kill all the Jews because with replacement theology, Israel is now the Roman Catholic Church. And that's why, they, that's why they've got their eye on that piece of land. They think it's for them, which it's not. It's rubbish, absolute rubbish. And the Antichrist is going to be put into power through that Roman Catholic Church. She, that church is going to help the Antichrist come to power, the beast that's spoken of in Revelation 17, uh, 13. And so that's, it's all going to be happening, folks. So that's why it's very important that you start to take your Bible seriously and don't listen to the cults, other people, just read it for yourself. Just read it. And I hope I can encourage you just to open the book. And the, We're living in New Testament time, so open it up. Open it up today and say, John, the book of John, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's, I find that quite a good book to, to start reading. Just start reading it. And uh, you know it's true. It's absolutely true. And you can put your trust in those words. Jesus said, the words that I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Just incredible. Don't don't muck around. We haven't got we don't know how long we've got. And you don't want to be here during the tribulation period. I believe the Lord is about to return. The Bible says that he's coming in the clouds to meet his the uh, you know the us not the tribulation saints but the people that are this is the age of grace that we're living in now from when Christ was buried and rose again and went back to heaven. We're in this age of grace where all we have to don't have to work our way to heaven anymore. With, with sacrifices don't have to do that there's been one sacrifice for our for all the things that we've done wrong in other words in other words we've broken God's laws and they need to be put straight we're not going to get let off the whole world is under the Ten Commandments everybody is under that whether you like it or not whether you believe it or not you'll soon believe it when you arrive at the great white throne judgment and you're found guilty and you will be found guilty because everyone that's at the great white throne judgment is guilty So you need, to, you need to find out today because the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. You're not coming back as a butterfly. This you know reincarnation nonsense, it's rubbish. It's just the, another religion the devil's created here on earth to take you away from the truth of the gospel, which is Christ Jesus came to earth as a man, fully man, fully God, fully spirit. And he laid down his life on that Roman cross, that rugged cross 2,000 years ago, once and for all, not over and over and over in the Mass. But once and for all, he died, he was buried, 
and three days later, three full days and three full nights, not Friday to Sunday, Wednesday night to Saturday night. Three full days and three full nights. It's all verified in Sir Robert Anderson's book, The Coming Prince, verified by the royal astronomer, that when, Addis, when Longeminus gave that commandment to Nehemiah to build Jerusalem, there was exactly 69 weeks of Jewish calendar years from when Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey and he was cut off. He rode in on the Sunday. He was cut off on the Wednesday. He went in the grave on Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night. That's three full nights. Then he had all day Thursday, all day Friday, and all day Saturday. That's three full nights, and they saw him on Sunday morning. And that's why we Christians meet on a Sunday, because that's the day that Christ rose from the dead. Well, he actually rose probably after sunset on Saturday. And the first Lord's Supper. We didn't learn about Sunday. We don't. They, the Seventh Day Adventists call it Sunday worship. <laughs> they call us Sunday keepers. We don't keep anything. Every day in the Lord is a day of rest because we're not working anymore for our salvation. We are at rest in our Lord, our Savior. That's what He's called our Savior. And so Sunday, that was the day that, that it was a Sunday that we at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came upon everybody. All, the, all those Jews saw the miraculous things happening because they required a sign. And there was always Jews present when these miraculous things happened as well. Always. Always. So it's a Sunday. We didn't learn it from the Catholic Church. We learned it from the Bible. So that's why we, you know, we don't keep Sunday. It's just expedient for us. Like I said, my, my parents never said, you know, we're Sunday keepers. That's That's religion. It's just expedient for us to meet on a Sunday. It's not the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday. But the Sunday is just expedient for Christians to meet. And it's tradition because that's the Lord's day. That's the day he, that is the day that he rose from the dead. And everything's changed. We've got a new covenant, a new testamento, a new will and testament. And it's the blood of Jesus which cleanses us from all sin. His blood that was shed on that cross, his broken body, that's why we have the bread and the wine. It's not the real body of Christ that the Catholics pretend. It's a symbol of what he did for us with his body being whipped and broken and it was just marred. The Bible said he was marred more than any man. That's what the Old Testament prophesied that would happen. No one's been marred as bad as him. And we're not going to make a liar out of God. So that, that body, the bread, is a symbol of to remind us that his body was broken for us. He took his our sins in his body and he was whipped for our transgressions and then his blood was shed and that blood that was shed on that cross was so powerful and so precious that it's able to wash away all of our sins if we believe that it was shed for us that he died for our sins. Half past five. Also tonight, the Israel-Hamas war has brought intense reactions from many Americans. On college campuses, some students who voiced opinions on the conflict are facing a major backlash. Jake Ward reports from Berkeley, California. Opposing rallies at Columbia, a die-in at Harvard. The latest protests are part of a long tradition of free speech on campus. 
but some law students are now finding their words can affect their future. Law firm Winston & Straw announced they rescinded a job offer to a top NYU law student this month after blaming Israel for the violence on October 7th. And law firm Davis Pope pulled three more offered to Harvard students for signing a similar statement. Now, a tenured professor has written an op-ed for the Wall Street Journal entitled, Do Not Hire My Anti-Semitic Students. Free speech does not mean there's no consequences for free speech. Stephen Solomon says he considers any justification of the Hamas attacks to be anti-Semitic hate speech. This is a professional setting. These are people who are to be trained as lawyers. Um, they should not be going out as lawyers if they're advocating the murder and justifying the murder of innocent people. That's right. Now, we're getting back to that story. Now, Israel is arguing with the United Nations that any ceasefire would give Hamas time to rearm and attack Israel again following the massacre of at least 1,400 Israeli citizens. And as I've said, most of them were civilians. So we know that over 230 hostages were taken. They're mostly women. In fact, I think they all are women, women and elderly men. Uh, and uh, elderly women and also children. That's who they've taken. $10,000 for each one they get, according to uh, people that have been interrogated. These are the terrorists themselves who were interrogated. They don't look very happy, but it's there online. I saw about uh, half a dozen of them being interviewed. And uh, so obviously they, <laughs> they're spilling the beans. So they get an apartment, they get $10,000, and they took women. They didn't take men. They were, their, their, their orders were to shoot the men. That's what they did. And Israeli forces, they're waging a ground operation against Hamas in Gaza right now. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, he aims to crush the Palestinians. Now, the Radio New Zealand call them militants. They are not. They are terrorists. They're not militants. They're not sort of like another army out there. They actually, they aim, they attack civilians. They target civilians. No army in the world should be doing that. So they're not an army. They're savages. They've been brainwashed at school, at the Gaza Elementary School. They're brainwashed to hate the Jews. They've hated them from when they're little children. And it's right, it's their their religion. And so that's what you've got. They speak Arabic. Why don't they go to Egypt? That's where the father of the Arabs' mother came from anyway. She was an Egyptian. And all of Arabia comes from Ishmael. There's land galore. They're not having it. You've just got to read your Bible. Bible says it's going to come true. The land belongs to the Israelis, belongs to the Jewish people from the 12 tribes. And you've got all these people out there saying they're just, they're just modern-day anti-Semitism. That's what it is. They're saying that they're not the real Jews and the Ashkenazi Jews and they're, you know, the evil, wicked, you know. It's just rubbish. It's just absolute, there's actually no foundation to it at all, but they're just, you know, they don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's what's happening there. Israeli forces, they're waging this ground operation. Now, the Gaza Ministry of Health... They said the death toll among the Palestinians passed $8,000, mostly women and children, and more than 1.4 million people in Gaza had fled their homes. Don't believe a word of it. Well, they were told, first of all, to get out of northern Gaza because Israel is going to be coming in, and they're going to be strategically taking out uh, um, where they know that there are terrorists. Anyway, you can't believe a word of it because it's Hollywood, Palestinian Hollywood. It's called Ballywood. Look it up. And it's, uh, most of it's inflated, and it's all designed to get stupid people here in, in the West siding with Islamic terrorists, because that's who they are. Now, let's look at the voting. This was at the United Nations yesterday. A voting result was in favour of a ceasefire, 120 nations, against, there were 14, most of them were the, a, 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 a great amount of them came from the Pacific Islands that believed the Bible. And then there was people that abstained, and that was 45 countries. So 14 of them 
and you know, you've got Tonga, um, they'll be Fiji, and all the Christians, they're better Christians than we are here in New Zealand. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. We're disgraceful. Fiji, Marshall Islands, Federated States of Micronesia, Papua New Guinea, uh, Nauru, and Tonga voted against the United Nations resolution to a ceasefire because they know the Jews have got to protect themselves. And while Australia, Kiribati, Palau, Tuvalu, and Vanuatu abstained, Samoa remained silent. Banirama criticised Fiji Prime Minister Sitavini Rambuka for being contradictory and said the vote by Fiji on the world stage did not reflect the view of most Fijians, or so you say, which is calling for a ceasefire. It's no good having a ceasefire. Can't have it. Let, let all the 200 and, I think there's 230 less four. So let the 226 hostages that you've got there, free them, and then we'll give, put your water back on, put your power back on, and we'll give you all the food you want, all the food you need, and then we'll help you move out of the area because it doesn't belong to you. This is what I would be doing. If I was the Prime Minister of Israel right now, I'd be, it would be a full ground invasion, and they've all got to get out. Everybody's got to get out. That Gaza Strip belongs to the children of God, the Jews. That's who it belongs to. Doesn't belong to anyone else. It's their land. And when God, God, God is the potter. We're just the pots. We don't tell the potter what to do. Anyway, so this uh, this story, of course, is an anti-Semitic story there by Radio New Zealand. And uh, that's that. We'll come back and have a look and see what else is happening on the other pages. For a couple of key facts. You'll hear the people hear a lot of things today, but this is what they need to know. The federal government, from Democrat members of Congress to intelligence agencies, including the FBI, used Twitter and other social media companies to censor Americans' speech. If the alarm bells are not going off, then you're not paying attention. Over the past three years, documents show, they prove what you guys have, have uncovered here, is there's communication between Twitter and the FBI. It was constant, it was pervasive. Twitter was basically an FBI subsidiary before Elon Musk took it over. The Twitter files revealed that by 2020, Twitter was engaged in open information sharing with the intelligence community, and now we know there were many intelligence agencies apparently involved in this. The FBI pressured Twitter to act on election-related tweets leading up to the 2022 election. Of course, it did it in 2020 as well, and Twitter dutifully censored content as a result. Twitter executives restricted accounts, they censored speech that conflicted with the less narrative. Twitter has used its internal tools to control and manipulate uh, considered speech considered misinformation, and who was determining that? It was the government bureaucrats. Documents show that Twitter used visibility filtering to restrict certain accounts and posts and removed people from the platform altogether. The Twitter files should be a matter of bipartisan concern for every member of Congress and every American citizen because it is a bedrock principle of our constitutional system that the government does not get to decide what speech is acceptable or true. Under the First Amendment, Americans have a right to speak freely, regardless of whether their speech upsets the preferred narrative. In fact, that's when it needs the most vigorous protection. Everybody on the left used to believe in that, or at least they purported to. Government and media fact-checkers frequently get things wrong. The American people can't and shouldn't rely on so-called experts to be the arbiters of truth, disinformation boards, and the like. It doesn't matter what political party you're, you're in. Government should not suppress important debates in public discourse. That's absolutely right. Okay, and you, now, you know who that is? It's Congressman, Congressman Mike Congressman Mike Johnson. He's a Bible-believing Christian. I was listening to people talking about him last night on another radio station, Liberty News Talk. Go and have a listen to them. Fantastic. An American one. That's what I'm going to be listening to. I'm going to be sharing that with all my friends, all my Christian friends that want to hear some good talk coming out of the United States instead of some of the rubbish that's coming out from the, the leftist globalist bird which is running America at the moment. Of course, we've got rid of our leftist, left-wing globalist vulture. 
The vulture remains, but the left wing is in trouble. Now we've got the centre-right. We've got the tail feathers of ACT and New Zealand First, and we've got the right wing of the National Party. But it's still the globalist vulture. Same old, same old, same old. Just got new new lipstick on the beak. Okay, now I was I was trying to show you um, what's going on with the East Coast at the moment, and I'll just see if I can uh, if there's anyone on Chrome there. But I'm just having a wee bit of trouble finding out how that works. Let me see. I can't get it to work. Oh well, maybe you've just got to go to the map and then come back. Oh, I wonder why that won't work. Oh, just bear with me for a moment there. Oh, don't worry. We won't worry about it. Can't get it to go. Okay, let's uh, let's go back, and we're looking at News Hub right now. Just gonna find my way back there. News Hub, where are you? News Hub. Oh, there you are. Okay, we've got damage now. These, this is the front stories. The stories on the front page here. It's um twenty. What are we up to now? Gosh, it must be getting close. It's twenty-one minutes to six. And uh, so the damage is spread across the North Island as ex-tropical cyclone Lola brings strong winds and heavy rain. We'll just uh, go in and have a look at that. I'm looking at some pictures there, and it looks like they've had a lot of water. So we've got a cocktail of heavy rain with high tides. What else have we got there? We've got it's, it's just swamped the roads in Coromandel, an inundated in Auckland Beach community. Uh, and it comes as the tail of cyclone, uh, ex they call it ex-cyclone, Tropical cyclone Lola gives one last whack on New Zealand, uh, delivering high seas, strong winds, and heavy rain. And my friends up in Whangarei too, they had, gosh, they're right on the water there, and they had, they had the water coming up on the lawn, which they get when there's a storm and a high tide. Sometimes happens, especially when there's a lot of rain. It's just one of those things that happens. Thousands of homes at the top of the North Island they still remain without electricity. Apparently, that's why you want to be self-sufficient. You want to have your own power. Don't want to be reliant on other people for water, especially now they're going to put all that. Um, gosh, what are they going to put in? Chloride. Well, they always put, they all put all sorts of things, but they're going to put fluoride in, which dumbs your kids down, dumbs you down as well. So anyway, these homes up north there, they're without electricity apparently. Uh, power supply websites show the area of outages across the Northland areas. If you go on the web, you can have a look at that. Also, Auckland and even Waiheke Islands without a bit of power. More than four thousand Northland homes uh, without power. Met service meteorologist. Uh, Methel this is would be shot for a name like that. You've got to shorten it up for us, for dumb people like me. Mathapello, Makabulani, Makubulani. That's it. Yeah, Ma, Maga, Magabulani. <laughs> Where would you be from? What are you, a boy or a girl? Oh, what gender are you? <laughs> Could be. Oh, gosh, Grant, pull yourself together. Gosh, what are you doing here? Get on with the work. All right, so the heaviest rain, it says that it's, it's it's starting to ease, but not out on, not when I look at windy. I'll just have a quick look at windy now if I can get there. No, it's not. It's blowing. It's, it's a lot of wind, a lot of wind on the east coast at the moment. They've got, I'll just click on it, they've got um, 99 millimetres. It's absolutely pouring down there now. 95 millimetres, and that looks like per hour. That's a lot of rain. So it's just dumping it at, at a place called um, Ruatoria right now, in the hills there too, just north of Gisborne. So the east coast is really copping it right at the very moment. Anyway, so Magabulani said that the heaviest of the rain is starting to ease, uh, depending where you are, and the agency is shifting its focus to the east coast, that's right there, you're absolutely right, it's terrible, Look, I'm looking at pictures here, people going through flood waters, 
got to be careful there, especially when the river's flowing through. I saw up, up in uh, Northland there, I saw pictures of two utes. They look like quite nice ones too, those Ford Rangers, just off to the side of the road, just in a ditch, because they'd obviously tried to go through a flooded road where the river was running through, and they thought, oh, we'll be right, and they got washed off the road. <laughs> two of them must have been following the other one. So at, at, um, at uh, 10 to 5 last night, a warning was issued to people in Coromandel Peninsula to drive with care as bad weather was set to continue through till 9 o'clock this morning. So it's it's bad news, all right. Now, a statement from New Zealand Transport Waikato Journey Manager Liam Ryan, he said service flooding... Uh, is is is, clo- is closed has closed various parts of the state highway 25 and he warned that there could be more to come. He said we're not out of the woods yet, with another 100 to 200 millimeters of rain expected to fall overnight. We've already got 95 millimeters falling right now on the east coast. That's an hour, so that's a lot. Uh, various times today, flooding has closed state highway from Manaya Huku Hukuai, and he said that the road user should keep an eye out. On the oh, we want you to go to the website, the Wakakotahi website. That's a journey planner. I think everyone on their phones got details these days, don't they? With maps, he said State Highway Two under the Stop Go Traffic Management, two kilometres east of Pyro. That's ahead of the Karangahaki Gorge, and it's due due to a slip there. Ryan stressed that although work is being done on the on to clear the slip, that, uh, that's going to be done this that yesterday night. They reckon that'll be all done. People should still expect delays. A second stop-go sign may be required in the gorge to provide access for trucks and trailers uh, to a stockpile site where the slip material will be temporarily stored. Uh, as a result of the flooding, State Highway 25 remains shut at, at uh, Hikuai uh, over the rest of the State Highway it's going to be back open, he says. Ryan warned people should expect this to change. You shouldn't expect it to change any time soon. So he said, if you've got to drive, you drive with caution. Yeah, okay. That's very good. So there we are. So that's that one there. And then now looking at another story on this front page of News Hub. If I can just, it won't let me go back. Go back. There we are. Oh, what's happened? We've gone on the on the blink. We'll be back in a minute. I'll find out what's going on with that one there. It's on the blink. We'll be back in a tick. They've all but given up hope for the for the hostages. I think um, a lot of people speculated that the reason Israel hadn't gone in as of yet was because they were doing some back channel negotiations for hostages. We even heard rumor that uh, Vladimir Putin was personally involved in some of these negotiations. I don't know the truth of that, but I do know that obviously Israel delayed going into Gaza, at least on the ground. Um, for some reason, and I'm sure there's probably a myriad reasons why they why they delayed. They want optimal um, time to soften that place up. They also probably are trying to get some hostages out. But with this, it looks like the hostages have been all but kind of forgotten. I, I, I hate to say forgotten, but kind of given up on. And uh, that's that's a dangerous scenario, so we'll have to follow that as well, obviously. Mm, that's Steve Hook over at TNT Radio Live. You can find them at tntradio.live. Steve Hook, and you just look and see what there's 45 uh, radio announcers from all over the world, 24-7 it goes. Absolutely fantastic if you like talk radio. A lot of Americans, well, they've got some Australians there. They've got Katie Hopkins from the UK. She's a radio announcer there. They've got that guy, um, Germ, from South Africa. He was on this morning, actually, just before I came on air. And uh, and they've got some other people. They're very good, absolutely brilliant. A lot of Americans, of course, but that's Steve Hawk, and I like him. He's pro-Israel, and I like anyone's. Uh, well, you're all friends of mine, whether you're pro or not. I'll listen to you. But 
because I like to attack the message, not the messenger. <laughs> we learnt that. We learnt that from Jenny Bernal at uh, Fairfield School when we were little primary kids. We used to have debates, and we learnt how to argue. Arguing is a great thing. Empires were built on argument. But here in New Zealand, we've been taught that it's a bad thing because the communists don't want you. The globalists don't want you arguing and debating and working things out for yourself. No, they, they want you doing what you're told. Walk away from arguments. <laughs> no, you just got to know how to argue. We don't know the rules of arguing. Anyway, now we've got a problem here with um, this bloke. Um, a lot of people want to get rid of greyhound racing altogether. They're beautiful dogs. Gosh, they can run fast. They're absolutely, you know, just beautiful to watch. We've got friends of ours have got a park greyhound, just a beautiful lean machine and uh, very, very quick. Unbelievable. Their, the, uh, the, their friend's dog tries to keep up with it, sort of like a Labrador, hasn't got a hope in, hope in um, heck. Anyway, so there's problems now because one of the top trainers, uh, this is a greyhound trainer, he faces disqualification from the industry after his dog tests, you're not going to believe this, it tests positive for meth. One of the country's highest earning greyhound trainers is set to be kicked out of the industry after one of his racing dogs tested positive for methamphetamine why you do that? Give it extra strength. And another was mistreated, apparently. John McKerney, uh, who trains hundreds of dogs in Darfield. Now, Darfield is near Christchurch, but he's going to be disqualified for up to 18 months. They reckon 12 to 18 months. And, you know, The animal welfare groups say that the penalty is weak and he'll, be, he'll continue to make money despite his qualification. Now, John, he's um, Greyhound Track Kingpin. He made more than $1.5 million on the track in the past season. But today, that was Monday, at the Racing Integrity Board penalty hearing, he's facing disqualification of between 12 and 18 months. The thought of a dog testing positive for methamphetamine is abhorrent, isn't it? But but he's been disqualified likely for a year, maybe 18 months at most, doesn't really go far enough, according to SAFE, SAFE the head of investigations, that's Willie Appleby. He says that McKerney's dogs, Alpha Riley, was, it was um, something else, it had something else in its veins in April this year. Methamphetamine was detected after a routine drug test. That's the first for the industry, really. And in October last year, um, other dogs, Impress, another one called Impressa Isla, that was, um, according to investigators, uh, a clear and visible pain distress but it was, apparently, but the vet was um, not sought immediately, so did something wrong. Has sort of a type of bone cancer, probably from the vaccines that they give them when, they, when they're young. It's got probably nothing to do with McKerney. Anyway, so that's it. He's been in the racing industry for 30 years, and so he is... Um, did he turn up? He told the hearing... He, oh, yes, he did. He told the hearing he didn't know that it was so serious and to give the dog pain relief. He didn't know if it was or not, but there it is. Just and it's all caused through the vaccines they give them. Fill them up full of vaccines, you know, because the fear, fear of the virus, fear of the deadly, this, that, and the other, all the things, parvo and all that stuff. But that stuff gives your dogs, makes your dogs crook. Uh, anyway, so that's that. And so he's he's out. People that really hate the greyhound thing, don't they? I don't know. I think it's. I don't know. I don't know much about it. Maybe they do mistreat them. I don't know. They want to stop racehorse. You know, all the all the things that give people enjoyment. They want to stop. The, the horses, they want to stop that. There's an incredible industry behind that. If that stopped, so many people will be out of jobs. And it's uh, and they love those animals. They do look after them. It's just a nonsense that they don't. 
Now, there's been a, a shooting too, according to News Hub. Now, police, apparently confusion over the possible second gunman held up taking patients to hospital. Really? A hold-up in taking patients at the... Oh, this is, this is the big inquiry that's going on about the, the Christchurch shooting, apparently. So there we are. So that's you can go and have a look at that for yourself. That's nothing new there. Uh, and so we're still back on this front page. Now, in business, people were angry. Soupy. Oh, yes. Now, Soupy, that was sort of um, trying to take on the duopoly of supermarkets. And they went into liquidation yesterday. People there are very upset. A lot of workers. I think they've got about 120 workers there out of business because the sole director of the company now, because the others have resigned and all the money's been taken away because they can see that it's not going to make it. I think they owe about $14 million. Dollars, uh, could be wrong on that. Actually, one one supplier who supplies meat to them, I think he's only owed about fourteen thousand dollars. It's not so bad. Online, this is what they are. Have you not heard of Soupy? So, online food retailer Soupy has gone into voluntary administration, owing all oh, three million dollars. It's a blow to customers and to competition in the supermarket sector. But worst affected are the company's one hundred and twenty workers who have not only lost their jobs but are unlikely to be paid. For the last two weeks, the industrial South Auckland workers have been, uh, yes, have been hustling hard to pack grocery orders for New Zealanders. But yesterday morning, their workplace, Soupy, and so the boss called them in for a meeting and they told, told them that they'd lost their jobs on the spot. Lots of tears. Terrible, isn't it? They were told that they were, to be, were not going to be paid for the last two weeks of work and their annual leave was gone as well. The summer holidays, and they're all planning on having it just like seven weeks seven and a half weeks to Christmas, and this happens. And so there it is, but, you know, it it has to be done. It has to be done. If you're solvent, you can't keep trading. So Soupy had more than 60,000 users, and it was fast-growing this year. But they're expanding, you see. They're they're expanding outside of Auckland to the Bay of Plenty and the Waikato. And workers told us on Tuesday it had uh, clocked its highest number of orders, but obviously it wasn't making enough money because it's, it's growing. Now you've got um, consumer. Now there was another fellow there that's trying to, trying to help. The grocery commissioner. I didn't know. If, didn't know there was one, but there is. There's a grocery commissioner. His name is Pierre Van Eerden. He said the gross. What did he say? He said, "I'm always disappointed when a potential competitor isn't successful. It reemphasizes why so many focus on making sure supplies support new entrants into the market." So our suppliers, you've got to support them. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's what he said. Grocery Commissioner said he's trying to make this kind of closure less likely, but warns our grocery market will take time to improve. It's pretty hard going up against those two, isn't it? They call it the duopoly. So that's that one there. So poor old Soupy, they're out, and the staff, uh, your thoughts and prayers go out to them, really, don't you, this time of the year? And so I don't think there's anything new. Australia firefighters. They call on Kiwis to help battle the deadly bushfires. A bit of a quick look at that one. It's um, five minutes to, isn't it getting close to it? Anyway, eight minutes to eight minutes to six. We're going to have some TNT radio news for you at six, and we'll have a look at the weather as well and see what's going on there with all that rain. Firefighters, they call on the Kiwis to help battle the deadly Queenstown, the bushfires there. Exhausted firefighters in Queensland have called on Kiwi colleagues to help battle the deadly fires. A drop in temperatures has offered small reprieve. However, conditions are set to worsen today. In, a battle, in the battle that they've been barely winning, 
All help is welcome as the raging fires move painstakingly close to Australia. No, they're in Australia. To Australia Zoo, that's what they call it, which is under the threat of the, for the second time in 24 hours. Burning through a pine plantation, uh, what, what, what locals witnessed is frightening. Several residents felt nervous and hopeless once they evacuated their homes. And some, using security cameras to watch the towering flames, close in on their neighbourhoods. Wow, the, the rural areas, street after street, home after home has been lost. The flames move through at frightening pace. One minute I'm riding around, and then the next, holy F, this one said, I've got to get out of here, said Paul Galloway. He, that's what he told Seven News. Returning to his home, Galloway, uh, Galloway's uh, lunch was still on the stove, and there's a chicken, Marilyn, it was cooking, he laughed pointing to the charred piece of meat. For firefighters, a break from the hot, windy conditions is giving them a rare chance to push back against the flames. Nasty, isn't it? Within six, there are 60 fires still burning across the state. I suppose it's all climate change, isn't it? No. They always have fires over there. Uh, the arrival of Kiwi reinforcements is going to be, couldn't come at a better time. So that's uh, good on you boys. Five minutes too. And what else have we got here on News Hub? See what else, environment? No, it'll be all just global warming. So that's all they've got. So um, we'll be back in a moment and we'll have a look and just have a quick chit-chat and see what's going on with stuff as well. And then hopefully after six, we'll go and have a look overseas and see what's going on over there. I learned myself. I had a brother friend. Great guy. Best-looking guy. Best personality. Much better than mine. But he had a problem. He had a problem with alcohol. And he would tell me, don't drink, don't drink. He was substantially older and I listened to him and I respected, but he would constantly tell me, don't drink. He'd also add, don't smoke. But he would say it over and over and over again. And to this day, I've never had a drink. And I have no longing for it. I have no interest in it. To this day, I've never had a cigarette. I had somebody that guided me, and he had a very, very, very tough life because of alcohol, believe me. The fact is, if we can teach young people and people generally not to start, it's really, really easy not to take them. And, Oh, sorry. I was listening to something else. I pushed the button to see the news feed for TNT Radio, and I thought we were on the radio. Um, gosh. Yes. No, I thought I thought that was on, but it's not. It's just me being not very organized here. Three minutes to six, and we'll have that TNT Radio news as, as well in a minute. I'll just have that going very lightly behind me. Now, um, we're on stuff at the moment, so let's just have a quick look at that. So we've got a defamation suit happening in Hamilton. Staff, uh, stuff rather, and former reporter is on trial for defamation in Hamilton. The trial is related to six stories written by Gary Farrow, I think his name is. It's Farrow, it says here, and it was published on stuff uh, in the Stuff publication in 2019. And it's about a cherry blossom festival that didn't happen. That was back in 2019. That's what we said. Wasn't it? Now, uh, we'll just have a quick look at that and then we'll go to the news. So organisers of a Waikato Cherry Blossom Festival say that they've suffered online abuse and retribution or harm following staff's coverage of their cancelled 2019 event. 
Stuff Limited and its former uh, reporter Gary Farrow are on trial for defamation in Hamilton. The trial began on Monday, yesterday at the Hamilton High Court, where a jury of 12 was impanelled before Justice David Johnson. And it was expected to take up to two weeks and was related to stories written by Farrow and published in the Waikato Times and on Stuff's website about the Cherry Blossom Festival near Waikato's Tamahiri. The radio broadcast and podcast by Farrow was also in question. Anne Kao, she's an Asian lady, and Paul Alton, uh, Alton, yes, they ran the company that organised the event, which did not go ahead in the spring of 2019. That was before the COVID fiasco, the pandemic. Gary Farrow covered the cancelled event and the company's subsequent liquidation. The lawyer, Cavell Crosslin, told the jury in his opening statement there were six stories in question. Crosslin said the stories wrongly portrayed Cow and Altron in three ways. They said it falsely painted them as disorganised and incompetent and wrongly depicted them as lawbreakers or as people who don't follow the rules. Finally, they said the stories wrongly alleged that they were dishonest and fraudulent. The first four stories were published in September 2019, when one and then another one in 2019. Another was published the following year in September 2020, but was not written by Gary Farrow. The radio broadcast went live in September 2020 following Farrow's departure from Stuff. Crossland said the pair argued some of the information reported was not true and had damaged their reputation, including details about repayment following the company's liquidation. He said the jury would hear from the couple themselves who tried their best to navigate the council's process and gain the correct permissions and who borrowed money to pay back people. Uh, But they were not seeking damages. He said they have come to the court to get their names cleared. It's not about money. And that sort of cheered me up a bit. That's great. What great, great people. They just want to clear their names. They want the truth out there. And by getting the truth and having this court declare that they were defamed, they believe their reputations can be repaired. Uh, He said that the stories remain online with minor edits and the radio broadcast has since been removed, apparently. Uh, So they live on. For those people who read these articles and have formed an impression of Anne and Paul, these impressions remain, apparently. She said that, or they said that it's been four years and those articles are still there, available for people to look at. Crossland uh, said said that the defendants were abused online. Okay, here's news coming up right now. I'll be back after the news with weather. TNTradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The young German-Israeli tattoo artist whose body was paraded through the streets of Gaza after being kidnapped at an outdoor music festival by Hamas has been found dead, Israel announced on Monday. Shani Luke rushed to flee after Hamas struck the festival close to the Gaza Strip on the morning of October 7th blocking off roads to the festival before gunning down on suspecting concert revelers. The Israeli Ministry of Foreign Affairs posted on X on Monday, We are devastated to share that the body of 23-year-old German-Israeli Shani Luke was found and identified. The ministry wrote that Shani, who was kidnapped from a music festival and tortured and paraded around Gaza by Hamas terrorists, experienced unfathomable horrors. May her memory be a blessing. The Times of Israel reports that the Israel Defense Force ground operation in Gaza expanded overnight, with dozens of terrorists said to have been killed by coordinated land and air attacks. IDF tanks are now on the edge of Gaza City, with the Saladin Road blocked and vehicles trying to access it being fired upon. Wire Services agent France Press cites a Hamas spokesman who said they were engaged in heavy fighting in northern Gaza. 
IDF spokesman Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari published footage of the latest fighting to social media on Monday morning and wrote IDF forces had expanded ground operations overnight and then in clashes with terrorists in the Gaza Strip, IDF fighters eliminated dozens of terrorists who had barricaded themselves in buildings and tried to attack the forces. In one case, he said, IDF soldiers led an air raid on a meeting building of the terrorist organization Hamas, which had 20 terrorist operatives inside. Fox News contributor Molly Hemingway weighed in on what the new House Speaker Mike Johnson can do to keep support among Republicans. Of these things done that we've talked about? Well, I think for the Republicans, the challenge will be less about, you know, people in D.C., they talk about fundraising. I think a lot of Americans are looking for leadership, and with leadership, they will give political support. They look at what's happening in D.C. They look at what the Biden administration has done, intentionally rejecting everything from the previous administration, Donald Trump's border policy, to his foreign policy. And they see a country that is completely in chaos at our southern border and, and with crime in our city on fire. And so I think Republicans, if they want to get support from American people, will focus on leadership and pushing back against some of this and a corrupt Biden administration with the weaponization of the Department of Justice. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is facing a drastic drop in approval ratings, according to a survey commissioned by the International Republican Institute and funded by USAID. Only 42 percent of Ukrainians strongly approve of the president, while 40 percent somewhat approve, the poll published last week has shown. Those figures were 58% and 33% respectively in the poll conducted in April. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says Zelensky's support in Ukraine is cratering. Lo and behold, this sort of second-rate vaudeville TV comedian act, the presidential role being played by a slapstick comedian from Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, the whole shtick is really wearing thin. And now you can see for yourself, the polling shows that he is absolutely cratering support in Ukraine. Ukrainians or whoever's left in the country, half the population seems to have fled for greener pastures in the EU and further afield. But meanwhile, Zelensky is having to own this disaster which he has brought his country into. This is a total generational fail for the country. They'll never recover economically. They'll never recover socially. And he's thrown all of the young men and even fathers and grandfathers into the meat grinder that was his counter offensive. How many people have died serving Zelensky in this losing war? Who knows? 300,000, 350, 400,000. At this point, who's keeping track? It's a historic collapse of a country and it all could have been avoided for TNT Radio this is Patrick Henningsen well in actual fact people are keeping track and uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor who's a former White House advisor said over 500,000 soldiers on the battlefield have been killed to date it's five past six we'll be back with weather and then we'll continue on with stuff .co.nz and see what they've got to um, for us today we're looking at the fake stream media on a weekly basis Yes, five days a week from five o'clock. You've got me here, Lord willing. I, did, I don't take that. I don't take anything. I don't take vaccinations. I don't do any, any of that stuff. The question that maybe a guy should be asking yourself is rather than should I be running to a therapy as to why is your testosterone low? Maybe you should take off your shoes. Maybe you should stop ruining your health wearing shoes that are putting your feet in an unnatural position and keeping you from being grounded. Maybe you should stop eating soy and processed foods and look at a job that makes you get out and work rather than just being around and sitting sedentary all the time. I think guys need to get out and be more masculine. Pick up some hobbies, get out around other men and stop spending so much time on the computer. Clean up your diet, 
get a fitness a fitness regime. You don't have to go to a gym. Just do some basic calisthenics, push-ups, lift a heavy rock. But it uh, seems to me that taking a therapy is not the solution. Just get back to masculine work and... Uh, I think a guy might be surprised what happens. That's right. Seven minutes past six here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast with Grant Edwards. That's, um, what, did he, what does he call himself now? Wrangler Star. That's right, Wrangler Star. Let's look at the weather right across the country now. We'll look at the short forecast in a minute. But first of all, the extremes. Kai Tyre, 17 degrees at the moment. And I'll tell you what, Palmerston North is um, she's snapping at the heels of Palmerston. Yes, Palmerston North snapping at the heels of Kai Tyre at the moment. They're at 17 as well. So they're both neck and neck. I don't know why Palmerston North didn't get a get a mention. Why is it always Kai Tai that gets the mention? Tianao, 1.6 so it's, it's a big difference 1.6 degrees. Places like, you know, Omarama in the um, Mackenzie country, they go down to, you know, minus 10. Pretty close to it. I think the, the lowest one that I remember uh, that was back in June and I, it was recorded at minus according to Met Service, but can you trust them? Minus 9.7 degrees. That was in Omarama. Pretty cold, isn't it? The windiest place right now is Castle Point. 44 kilometres per hour of wind there. Rotorua, it's a little bit wet in Rotorua. They say it's the wettest, but I wouldn't say that it's the wettest. Not by a long shot, not when I have a look at the map. It looks like east. this is on the windy. Windy's very accurate too. A lot of sailors use it, and even professional ships, you know, the shipping guys, use it around the coast. And all over the world, actually, they use Windy. You can find that at windy.com. You've got there's a desktop version, or you can I think you can download one on your phone. There's an app as well. Uh, the temperatures pretty much the only Invercargill, Queenstown, and um, France Joseph and Timaru. They're the only ones that are under two digits at the moment. Everybody else is up in the 12, 13s, 14s, 15s for the North Island. The short forecast in the west from Northland to Manawatu, including the Central High Country. Periods of rain turning to scattered showers this afternoon, with thunderstorms possible from Waitomo to Manawatu. In the Coromandel area, also for the Bay of Plenty, Gisborne, Hawke's Bay and the Wairapa, rain heavy at times from Hawke's Bay northwards, turning to shattered scars. <laughs> I don't know why I got into a habit of saying that. Now, it just used to be a joke years ago, and now I say it. Shattered scars. It's, I mean, scattered showers. It's not easy sometimes to get into these. It's easy to get into the habits. It's hard to break them. So they're going to have shattered, scattered showers in the afternoon with possible thunderstorms about the ranges. So that's just in case you've lost track of where I'm up to. It's Coromandel, Bay of Plenty, Gisborne, Hawke's Bay and the Wairapa. Heavy rain. Not so good for you guys. Horowanua, Kapiti, and that's the Kapiti Coast in Wellington. Cloudy periods, though, not so bad. Cloudy periods, isolated showers. For Nelson, Marlborough, Bullham, scattered rain clearing this morning, but low cloud remaining about the Kaikoura coast. You've got isolated showers in the afternoon and evening, and thunderstorms are possible as well. Further south in Canterbury, Otago and Southland, fine weather apart from low cloud near the coast, and isolated afternoon and evening showers inland Canterbury, with thunderstorms possible. Westland Fjordland, fine weather apart from cloud, so that's not going to bother you. In the southern Fjordland area, you'll have that morning and night. And then finally for the Chatham Islands, periods of rain developing this evening. So there you are, so that's your forecast. And if you're um, uh, listening to this at uh, Rumble, you can see there that it is um, a lot of rain happening. They've got 95 millimetres. I'll just see if I can get this thing started. So in the next 12 hours... I'm on the rain thingamajig now, so they can. They've got 48.9, so it's eased off a little bit. It's not looking quite so bad there, Ruatoria, uh, as it was before. I'll just move that down there, 55 millimeters. That's that's 55 millimeters per hour. 
So that's a lot of rain. A lot of rain. It's just unbelievable. So, and it's just north of Gisborne, isn't it? Right out there. Beautiful, beautiful place. That's where Tam- Tamaiti is out there. 44 millimetres right now as we speak. So it's, it's a bit... Uh, it's a bit frightening for them. Okay, so uh, in a moment I'll be um, we'll be continuing on with the front page of stuff. But we'll just play our ad for TNT Radio, seeing as they kindly is allowed to take take the news. Twelve past six. This is a TNT Radio encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. Well, what's wrong with that? I bet the, Again, Winston Peters breached public faith upon in- Oh, Hang on, I didn't want you to play just now. You can just wait. Can you do that? Yeah, you just wait, Sam. That's Samantha Edwards. You can see her over at counterspinmedia.com, and it's called Winston Rides Again. It's a great video. It's a documentary, actually, written by, written and directed and produced and narrated by Samantha Edwards and her organization is called Samantha Edwards Reports and she has hundreds of thousands of views for her eight um, documentaries that she's done. They're on band.video and they go out on Mad Max TV which is the Alex Jones network and that that is amazing. That's Counterspin Media set that up so that when when they and they've I think they've even done some um, shows on Alex Jones. They've sat in and done some shows i like to see more of it, actually. I thought it was really good. So that's Calvin and Hannah over at Counterspin Media. While you're over there, why don't you click on the link that says Donate and send them a few Pacific pesos because they need it because they're doing such a great job for us. They're the only ones that have really stood by us. You know, they really have. And they, they are valiant for the truth. That's a Bible word, but they are Bible verse. Valiant for the truth. And nothing goes out on the on their um, platform unless it's facts and evidence based. If they're not sure about something, it doesn't get published, and that's why there's been no cases against them, because everything that they've said, even this bizarre stuff that they've talked about on Counterspin Media, it's all true. Fourteen minutes past six, and now we've got a record. This is on the front page of stuff. A record twenty-six kilometres of methamphetamine has been found in luggage at Auckland Airport. So um, this was found in luggage of a Canadian national at the Auckland airport that was on Saturday over the weekend. According to New Zealand Customs, the 36-year-old man had travelled from Montreal via Vancouver to Sydney and then on to Auckland, probably trading on the way. He was questioned, why would you do that? They've got sniffer dogs, don't you watch TV? He was questioned and searched by customs officers upon the arrival of the um, whereabouts in um, Auckland. They've got a Maori word there. I'm not going to do that. Uh, resulting in the discovery of the methamphetamine found hidden in the lining of both of his suitcases, totaling over 25.5 kilograms. That is so much. Gosh, if, I mean, that, if that was in um, Bali, I think they'd shoot you over there. He'd be shot. Just have a quick court case and round the back of the building, 22 in the head, I suppose. What do they use? Cheap and cheerful <laughs> in Bali. Well, they give you, I think they do, in some countries they do anyway, they shoot you. You might go to prison, but 25 and a, 25.8 kilograms, that is a truckload. The amount of methamphetamine could have produced almost 1.3 million individual doses and would have been worth up to $9 million That's in the New Zealand streets. The seizure is estimated to have prevented up to $28.5 million in social harm to communities. I don't know how they calculate that. That's, a court, that's what Customs New Zealand said. 
the manager for the airport, that's Customs Airport, Paul Williams, he said he believed that it was the largest quantity of drugs Customs had found in the air passenger luggage, surpassing 19 kilograms of methamphetamine, which was seized in May 2020. This is a brazen smuggling attempt by a drug courier who appeared to be working for an organised crime group, probably on drugs himself, probably trying to, you know, it's all about money, isn't it? Trying to, maybe some of them are, you know, almost like slaves, these these people that get hooked into it. Customs is ple- pleased the seizure has stopped these drugs and cut off profits. Criminal groups had aim, they'd aim to make exploiting our communities, and it certainly does, just the trail of misery that it brings. But you know what? You won't believe this, but the, but the sorcerers, that's the people in the pharmaceutical industry, they go without, you know, without a question. They are, they are injecting stuff. They are giving us tablets, giving people tablets that they don't need. They're getting them hooked on drugs, and they're doing it with the, the government behind them. And I'll, I'm going to just stop that story there for a minute, and we're just going to whip over here, and I'm going to... Um, yes, I've got it here. You have a listen to this. This guy's called Justin Hanker. And just you just listen to it. It's Really, it's all about making money. This was an interview on TNT Radio yesterday. Have a listen to this. In order to conduct a phase three trial on this drug, we're going to have to raise $50, $100 million to do that. They're, they're a very big deal. Um, so the Australian government has done that in advance of the completion of phase three trials. I know... It... Now, they're talking about LSD and ecstasy they're going to be giving it to people that have got mental problems they're going to make them worse but short term you know short term it'll be fine as they all are a short term palliation just like Prozac was but that was a disaster and this is another disaster and it's been approved here in New Zealand first have a listen to this interview it's certainly in, in psilocybin and so we, we believe that we'll, be, we'll get special access in Australia uh, for medical practitioners to use these microdoses of LSD to treat patients. And what we like about microdosing as a thesis is that it's something people can take and then get on with their day. Um, the current treatment modalities are macrodoses where people will sit in a chair and they'll have a, a hallucinogenic dose of, of this you know, psilocybin or MDMA. Uh, it'll be a transformative experience. They'll need to have a psychiatrist with them, an assistant. Uh, it's quite an intensive day and there's a whole the process of unpacking and integrating that experience is what's just happened to them. And it works. Um, yeah. Our thesis is, is using a similar sort of medicine, but doing it in small doses uh, and, that, and people can take it. It makes them feel better and they can get on with what their day without you know, their medicine being disruptive. So in, in the, describing that with a special access scheme, I'm delighted the New Zealand government's doing something good of uh, supporting this research. So all the, all the research is happening in New Zealand. Yeah, so we have the special... Isn't that just absolutely disgraceful? It's all about money. Keep listening. This is very important, but you've got you've got to read between the lines of what's going on here. Approvals. We're the only company in the world to have approvals for the take-home use of a psychedelic medicine, and we've been doing that now for a couple of years. Uh, and that's really important in microdoses. Um, microdosing doesn't work in a laboratory. You cannot give a person a, a microdose of LSD in a lab and... Um, and see its real effects. So in other words, they're not really trialling it properly, are they? They're just giving it you to take home. That's what they're doing. They're, they're, they're giving you LSD. They say microdosing. All this pharmaceutical stuff, all this allopathic idea, it gives you a palliation. It's, it's good at the start, 
but it always comes back and bites you on the ass. And this is going to be another one that does just that. Twenty past six, and we'll continue with that interview. Because uh, they're not stimulated by the normal environment. They've got to be doing their their day to day things. They're going to be socialising, washing the dishes, cooking food, uh, and that's when we see the responses. So we've measured the effect of microdosing in the laboratory. It doesn't work. It doesn't. We give people a small dose of. They're not stimulated. They're sitting there. They're bored. They're not happier. They're not. Uh, they don't feel well. They're being prodded and probed. So it is really important to send these drugs home because the big criticism and the reason why these drugs were banned back in the 60s or 70s is because um, of the worry that they would get out of control. They'd be misused and abused. So out of the 80 healthy men that took 1,020 doses of of, of uh, drug or placebo over uh, six weeks. Uh, not one person misused or abused the drug. Every dose was accounted for. Um, so we're proving safety and efficacy in the community. Mm. And um, that's that's important because we, you know, there is criti- there's a lot of stigma. There's a lot of criticism about, well, these, will these drugs get out and be used recreationally? And is that a concern? And should we be worried about that? That's probably another matter, but um, we're certainly doing a trial that's important to proving that safe and effective use in the community. Yes, oh, it's it's a very insp- it's a very inspiring story, Justin. And your is there a website that people could go to to learn before they decide whether to invest with you, buy shares in your company? Oh yes, it's mindbiotherapeutics.com, and also Jing Jing, Jing Jing. Money, 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 money. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Pharmakia translates sorcery. These people are sorcerers. And it's been condoned by the New Zealand government. And we, taxpayers, we are paying for this to get people hooked on drugs long term. That's what's going to happen. You can think, oh, just because there's the psychiatrist... They've got the white coat, you know, they've got the stethoscope or whatever. They've got this respectability. No, no, you've got no respectability. And and most of us saw it with COVID, the COVID pandemic. We saw that you actually don't know what you're doing. You just you were just led by money because you didn't want to lose your jobs because you and you wouldn't stand up for what was right. And that was that people shouldn't be injected with a biological agent that's experimental without proper trials at least 10 years. And my belief is that all of the childhood vaccines cause neurological disorders. They cause um, all sorts of inflammatory disease, chronic long-term diseases. That's what childhood vaccines do. Let's carry on here. The rest of this guy, this guy here, the psychiatrist. You know, they're qualified doctors, and yet they they're basically just peddling sorcery, just mixing up potions and giving it to people, palliating them. They're not curing them. They're just they're making customers for life, and that's why. Listen, it's all about making money. Who, how can you invest? It goes on about this. Listen to this. So we're quite active on social media, on LinkedIn. We can follow uh, our messaging and and the way we talk about mental health and some of the things that we're doing uh, around the world to um, to promote this science. You can follow me, Justin Hanker, on LinkedIn. Justin Hanker, H-A-N-K-A. Now back to you personally. That's thank you for. Thank you for sharing that inspiring story. So how... Listen carefully to what this guy's history is. How did you get into the health game? You know, you were a merchant banker. <laughs> and so tell me about your story in terms of your own health. What was... Well, uh, what, or what got you? Like, I, I was really clear. I, in, 
1965, I went to my first naturopath and I was inspired by looking after my health. And for me... So what are you doing having this sorcerer on your program and, and giving him, praising him for bringing psychedelic drugs into the country? Me, nothing was more important than that. I would give away all my money to be healthy. And indeed, when I run seminars, I say to people... If I gave you $20 million so that you would have no further money, would you give me your two legs and be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life? I'll give you financial security. You give me your two legs. Well, let me tell you, I would give my, my two legs for my children. I think I would. I thought about it yesterday when I heard this. I think I would. Would it be above the knee or below the knee? Below the knee, $20 million. Set your kids up. I don't really need legs. I can do those bionic legs anyway. There's people running around, 100-meter sprinters, with those little springy legs. So 20 million, it's not going to happen. But hypothetically, yeah, I think I would. These guys wouldn't. They love their lives so much. But I love my kids more than I love me. What's well, an interesting question. And uh, I can imagine what, what the overwhelming answer would be to that. Um, Charles. Well, the overwhelming answer was no, no, no way. You know, but most people say no. I wouldn't give away. I wouldn't give away my legs for money. But most people give away their health for money or this illusion of security because they don't look after themselves, as as we know. Yeah, you know, for, for me, certainly. Uh... If you want to stay healthy, stay away from this guy. Stay away from pharmaceutical drugs. They will kill you um, you know exercise and, and activity was uh, something that i was into very at a very early stage in life certainly because i was just an overactive child basically probably these days would have been diagnosed with adhd or something from your childhood vaccines um and quite frankly and so um, that overactivity was really um guided by very good parents into uh into um, activity that i enjoyed i enjoyed running uh, and so I ran marathons at a very, at a very young age. I think I ran my first marathon at seven. And um, wow, and, seven! Gosh, yeah. that's spectacular. It took me about four hours. Um, but anyway, it was Frankston to Melbourne back in those days. The big end marathon, I used to call it. But um, anyway, interesting that a, that a chocolate drink would sponsor a marathon. Quite <laughs> fascinating how things have changed. Uh, but anyway, so overactivity led me to exercise and to wellness and and. You know, I became a. Uh, I got interested in weightlifting and weight training. Uh, like as a teenager, um, uh, I was. I got into track sprinting, and I developed my physique. Kind of developed, and I was encouraged to lift weights. And uh, I began competing in, in weightlifting competitions and bodybuilding competitions, and became quite good at it. So there's nobody home. He's just all interested in his body. Not developing his mental skills, social skills. It's all about looking at themselves in the mirror. It's all vanity. Vanity. Can you hear? Can you see it? I see the underlying thread being money, making money. This guy's a merchant banker, and now he's involved in drugs. And our, our government is behind it. It's just nuts. Twenty-six past six. We'll carry on with that. Not long to go with that interview. It's getting good. Have a listen. You, you ask them, how can we invest? Trained an elite uh, group of people, and that kind of set me on my way to, to uh, you know, kind of a lifetime interest. In, and obviously, I'm, I'm the beneficiary of having done all of that activity, a lot of exercise. Um, by the time I was about 21, when I when I stopped tra weight training and for competitions, 
Uh, and then kind of w- went into business and, you know, developed, um, you know, grew a family and did all those sorts of things and, and did probably what most other people do. At that be on the steroids too. Stage of life is start to uh, neglect uh, health and prioritise uh, career and earning money and those sorts of things. And, um, and so I tried to keep uh, a good hand, a healthy hand in my health, but really neglected it um, for the career. And so at a, there was a point in, in my career, um, probably about 12, 13 years ago, where I was forced to stop working because of a, a health disaster. They found a, an arteriovenous malformation in my brain. And where did that come from? Probably your childhood vaccines. You're a, you're a patient for life in the pharmaceutical industry, sorcery. Which explained a few of the issues I was, I was having with my health and I uh, had to stop and kind of rethink um, how I was going to um, continue working you know, as a career, as a CEO. Uh, the demands of that sort of work was, was quite demanding. So I uh, basically changed the way that I was living. Um, I, I started a health regimen that was quite strict. I uh, stopped some of the unhealthy habits and nursed myself over a number of years back to health out of hospital and um, and ventured into mergers and acquisitions and investment banking and and in this work now that I do and um, so I'm healthier than ever uh, I've experienced both great health and negative health and I've been the beneficiary of both and now I teach it and preach it and uh, and also live it uh, because I have to like everyone else and yeah. um, well it's, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful story Justin I've run nine marathons and and I got into swimming when I was 10, so that was 61 years ago, and I haven't been unfit since. And I didn't do what you did. I, I, because I, for whatever reason, I was lucky. I wasn't seduced by career to, to, sorry, to sacrifice my health for career, which many people do, which thank you for your, for you sharing that. And that's a warning for all of us, you know, don't, don't give away your health because you're too busy. Justin Hanker, you I admire what you've done. It's a great it's a great story. And your leading edge thinking is an inspiration for all of us. And the last question I have for you, we've got a few seconds to go. What's your preferred energy source? If you if you're feeling down, what's your healthiest preferred energy source? Just quickly. You know, I, I cheat. I have a V can of V or Red Bull when I have to do a hard bike ride. I'm low on energy. That's what I have. I know it's not particularly healthy, but it gives me the energy. What's your cheat? What's your energy hit? Well, there are two things. The quickest thing is a cold shower, and and uh, the next thing is a sauna. Beautiful. Health, health there is everybody. Those. There's the energy hit. Cold shower, sauna, Justin Hanker. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for being with TNT Radio. We'll be back with you next week. Have a great week. Bye. There you go. So that's Mr. Hanker, Justin Hanker. He's pushing LSD. They call it microdosing. (laughs) LSD and ecstasy. That's what they want. That's New Zealanders. New Zealanders is uh, allowed it. So that's what they're doing, pushing that onto us. That's not what you need. That is the last thing you need. The last thing you need to do is go and see a psychiatrist and to take some pharmaceutical psychiatric drugs. They call these ones psychedelic. Just be the worst thing you could do. Better off just getting some exercise going. Learn to face the problems and know that it's always going to be better. Things will get better. People say the reason why people just 
just just think I'm talking nuts is because they're already on the treadmill of pharmaceutical drugs, and they just their their minds are, it just makes them worse worse than they would have been if right back in those early days they didn't go near a psychiatrist or near a counsellor. These people they just talk BS, absolute rubbish. The the stuff that I've heard over the years I'm 63, and the stuff that I've heard people are told from psychiatrists and psychologists is absolute rubbish, just absolute satanic nonsense. Just the complete opposite of what our God says in his word in the Bible. And these people, they are just children of disobedience. They just listen to nonsense. And it's not, it's not what God wants for you. You need to eat healthy, eat more meat. Opposite of what they're telling us. They've been telling us we need to eat less meat. No, you need more meat and less grains and all that other stuff. And cut out the carbohydrates. I've never been so healthy. All of my ailments that I've had have gone from just eating a protein diet, just all meat. Meat, meat, meat. Lots of fat. You need about 20% fat. One kg of muscle meat will supply you all the vitamin C that you need. It's an absolute myth that your teeth will fall out. My gums have got better. Jordan Peterson had gum disease. It's incurable. It's gone. So if you want to be healthy, you need to eat more of it, more red meat. Don't eat the chicken stuff out of the supermarkets. They fill them full of antibiotics. You don't want that in your system. And don't eat meat from the supermarket because you don't know what the farmers have done. Try and find a farmer that does a home kill and go in with them. But you want someone that does a home kill that, does, that don't vaccinate their animals. Vaccination. There's just so much fear. The farmers are terrified. They're giving them five and one. They've got seven and one now. And you know these animals only live to you know a couple of years before they're uh, killed for meat. You know the beefies. But I tell you what, they wouldn't last much longer with all the vaccinations they've got in them. They'd be developing all sorts of funny things. We don't vaccinate ours. Never had any trouble. We make sure that the ones we get haven't been. They may have you know probably got some sort of strange things happening as a result of the, the you know the, the the mother so now we're going to listen to Steve Kirsch and we'll do that now because otherwise it'll be too late uh, we've got news coming up at 7 o'clock from TNT they'll bring us right up to date over the weekend from Sunday on we don't get all the full news Saturday's pretty good but we're sort of like the first to see the light in the world aren't we and so so for us a Sunday is Saturday for them and on Monday it's Sunday for them and so it's sort of just a recap of the news. But from today, Tuesday, we're starting to get uh, the up-to-date news from TNT Radio. And I'll be giving you up-to-date weather as well throughout the day. And we go 24-7 here at the wireless. It's um, a country radio station. We're going to be introducing a little bit more than just country as well. We're going to have some adult contemporary music. And we're going to cut out some of that country music that we know that a lot of New Zealanders aren't that, that keen on. So we're going to have a nice sort of a crossover, sort of um, country crossover not too much country, just enough. And so we'll, we've got, um, there's a formula that we're working on, but it takes a long time, you know, to get um, 4,000 songs organised. Can't, I can't do it on my own overnight, but it's taking time, but I'm getting there, so just bear with us. And we've got lots of different apps, the streamer, there's all sorts. You'll see them there in the description, uh, the apps that you can choose to use. And it's a bit of a pain in the neck with Zeno because, you know, you've got to, 
pay for ads. The ads come on and sometimes it clicks off, but just reset it and it'll be, it'll be fine. Sometimes it's brilliant. goes forever and ever. Um, but that one's Zeno FM, Z-E-N-O dot um, FM, if you're on the desktop. But all the links are there in the description if you're on, over on Rumble or um, where are you? if you go to our website, which is thewireless.nz. But it's all there in the description. So listen to us 24-7. We're bringing you today's best country, doing the best we can, and up-to-date news and weather every hour, on the hour, 24-7. Okay, uh, let's um, now, now, yep, we're definitely going to hear now from Steve Kirsch. Have a listen to this, because we've just heard um, this guy called Justin Hanker, who's pushing LSD and ecstasy, for psychiatrists to be dishing out, and it'll probably just be doctors. They'll be saying, oh, you have some of this. This will help you. No, it won't. And it's all about making money. It's The whole thing is about making money. They don't give a damn about your health. It's about making money for these people. When are we going to wake up? 25 to 7, there's a better way. Well, what's wrong with that? I bet that Again, Winston Peters breached public faith upon entering Parliament, this time by his failure to fulfil his emotive promise to be among the first to re-enter the Pike River mine. Let me just say, I'm willing to keep my promise. You've made it, you've made it. Winston Peters joins us now. Good morning. Good morning. You want to go back into the mine? In 2016, he solemnly declared that he would be in the first team to re-enter the mine after the 2010 disaster that saw the bodies of 29 miners entombed 200 metres down. When you have the first crew lining up to go back and I'm offering to go, as someone who's had some experience in mining, working underground in dangerous conditions... Many said he shouldn't say such a thing as it was sensationalising on something that many families were still grieving over. Nevertheless, he kept repeating his heroic-sounding promise, which was, of course, broken like the rest of them when a team finally re-entered the mine in 2019, minus one Winston Peters. That's right, and we all lost our mind, didn't we, after he let us down year after year after year, election after election, and then we got amnesia and forgot about all the promises that never actually came to fruition, and we voted in, in again, didn't we? 24-2, here's Steve Kirsch talking about vaccines. Hi, it's Steve Kirsch. I'm really sorry I'm not there to be with you all uh, tonight. Uh, Shannon's book is is just so, so important. I wish that every waiting room in America, in every pediatric practice, had a copy of that book, and it was given out to to every new parent in America. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be spectacular? Because uh, she's right on in everything uh, that she says in the book. And, uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't have said it better. I think the, maybe the only thing that uh, uh, that I noticed when I read the book was that there are some excellent books uh, by Neil Miller on Amazon. And uh, they, uh, all of them, go through all the vaccines and, and show just how dangerous these vaccines are. And I did a survey of my followers. I had about 10,000, uh, close to 10,000 parents filling out forms for each of the, their children. And I have a mix of uh, parents who haven't vaccinated their kids at all uh, versus parents that have vaccinated. So I'm in a very unique position because I have a very high percentage of, of followers who didn't vaccinate their kids at all. So I was in a perfect 
position to be able to compare the results of parents who vaccinated their kids versus parents that uh, didn't vaccinate their kids at all. And I actually asked them how many vaccines uh, each of their kids got. And I asked them what kind of uh, diseases uh, did they have, especially uh, chronic diseases. And it was astonishing to me that when I looked at the data, it's virtually a straight line. I mean, if, if I had faked this data to make it look perfect, I couldn't have done a better job. It basically showed that the rate or the probability of your getting a chronic disease is directly proportional to the number of vaccine shots your child received. The more vaccine shots, the greater the probability. Now, if vaccines didn't cause any of these chronic diseases at all, what you would see is a completely straight line. It would be completely flat because it wouldn't vary based on how many vaccines. It'd all be the this underlying probability. But the fact that there's a slope to the line and it goes up as you give more vaccines is undeniable proof that the more vaccines we give our kids, the worse the chronic diseases. And we're talking anything from food allergies to seizures to panda pans to autoimmune diseases to sinusitis um, uh, to epilepsy to autism to ADHD and more. I mean, I was stunned. I made a list of uh, about 25 chronic diseases and all of them were elevated in proportional to the number of vaccines a child was given. And when I saw that, I talked to Brian Hooker and Brian said he got the you know similar uh, results. Um, in, in fact, I matched my numbers. I did a computation of the odds ratio for autism and, and I came out at 4.5. I think um, there, uh, Tony Mawson did a study and came out with uh, 4.0 and Brian Hooker did a study and it was 5.0. So I was right in the middle of these two. So I think I'm, I'm pretty confident in the results of these uh, uh, 10,000 parents and there's no incentive for them to lie. They didn't know what I was, what I was serving. But the more important thing is that I know of a clinic in the United States, I, and I'm not supposed to say where it is. They've been treating kids for 20, over 25 years now. They've treated thousands and thousands and thousands of kids, and none of them have any chronic diseases. There's no autism, there's no ADHD, there's no nothing. And so um, there is a, there's now a, a paper that's going to be written about this clinic compared to other clinics. And of course, that's gonna be even more evidence uh, that what we're doing to our kids is unimaginable. And it's interesting that we don't seem to want to acknowledge that uh, in this country at all. Um, you know, Brian Hooker was successful in video, in, you know, in video, in audio taping um, uh, William Thompson. And that was the movie uh, Vax, which, uh, which basically said that Thompson was ordered by CDC superiors to destroy all data that linked vaccines and autism. And this is done 23 years ago. And they never allowed that to come out. 
Congress, the, the uh, Bill Posey in Congress tried to get a hearing to do that, um, to have William Thompson testify, and he wasn't allowed to do that. They tried to get a, a bill passed in Congress to compare the fully unvaccinated with the fully vaccinated for health outcomes and order the NIH to do that. They had nine co-sponsors of that bill and it never got out of committee in the House of Representatives. So they don't want anyone to know that kids who are fully unvaccinated are way healthier than the kids who are fully vaccinated. And, you know, if I had known this as a parent, things have been a lot different uh, for my kids. And I'm, I'm 66 years old. I'm just finding out about this now. And I wish that um, I, I had found, found out about it sooner. And I think this book will help to, uh, to spread the word, um, among other things. And I really, really want to thank um, uh, Shannon uh, for, uh, for creating the book and uh, I'm putting together this, this event and for her efforts because it's all working together uh, as a team to help get the word out that the medical community has been lying to us for decades about vaccines. And I think now is, is our time. It's time to get the word out about these vaccines and how unsafe they are. And Shannon's book is an excellent way to do that. So thank you, uh, Shannon, and uh, thank you all for coming tonight. And thank you, Steve Kirsch. Absolutely fantastic. You are a good man. You're doing wonderful work. Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H. He has a newsletter. Uh, you can find that at kirschsubstack.com. He has he has now over 231,000 subscribers. That's up 1,000 from last week. It's improving all the time. I hope we're helping. He writes about COVID mitigation policies, vaccine neurological, vaccines rather, neurological diseases and conditions, corruption, censorship, and early treatments. The data shows, according to Kirsch, that vaccines are ruining the health of New Zealanders, Canadians, Australians, Americans, everyone that's on that childhood regime that Luxon, Christopher Luxon wants to take your benefit away if you're a solo mum or even if you're on a benefit. Any beneficiary, you'll lose your, you'll lose your benefit and so will even old age pensioners. They'll lose their pension. Well, they probably won't. Probably won't blame them. But any, anyone that's got children and they don't get them vaccinated with all the myriad of poisons that they wanted to give your children, you will lose your benefit if you're on one. So you've got to be self-sufficient and don't rely on the government because if you want to keep your kids pure and not have them filled with dangerous vaccines, then you've got to, you're going to have to be self-sufficient. So he says the data shows that the vaccines are ruining the health of Americans and driving the epidemic of neurological conditions. That's exactly right, all of them. So just keep your kids well away from it. And you've got to spread the word. You've got to do some research. Do your own research. They mock us for that. The media, the left-wing media, they mock us for wanting to know for ourselves, for taking responsibility for our own health. They mock us. These people are insane. They're led by money. Their organisations were paid off by the, the left wing of the vulture, the globalist vulture. Yeah, 
So that's him anyway. So let's now go back to that story. I've got actually, I'm just going to pop you back. We've got news coming up at the top of the hour at seven o'clock. But there's another, there's another story that came out that's in the court yesterday. Um, oh, but I won't talk about that. Um, someone jumped off a bridge and they've released the name of the guy. That's the Waiau River. Jumped off the bridge. Kids do that all the time, but it didn't didn't work it out and uh, didn't plan out the way he wanted it to plan out. Um, this is a story by Stuff, and um, it's a good Samaritan is the heading. A good Samaritan taken on a taken on a, a high speed pursuit in her own car. Imagine that. Who would do that? You just think about who would actually do that. Would be involved in that. Well, we'll find out, won't we? A woman who was pick, he pick, she picked up a hitchhiker. Stupid. Don't do that. A male Maori. <laughs> Probably had a red cap, red sneakers. The story, you, you'll find out why. You just don't pick up hitchhikers, love. She picked up a hitchhiker and she had her good deed turned against her when the man used her and her vehicle to evade police in a terrifying high-speed chase. The man who ignored her pleas to stop was Tori Rihau Gillies Narona, Naronoa. Naranoa. He's a 29-year-old. The woman picked him up near Waipapa in the central Hawke's Bay back in May, the end of May. Uh, that was last year. Yes, 2022. Unknown to her, when Gillies Naranoa waved her down, he had just... Don't pick him up. Don't pick him up. Uh, he'd just run across a paddock while fleeing police, armed police, who'd been about to arrest him following a pursuit in a stolen car that he'd crashed. The woman agreed to give him a lift into town. As she drove, she saw the crashed car in the paddock, and Naranoa told her that he'd been racing a mate and crashed. When she reached the Waipawa, Gillies Naranoa ordered her to stop outside a dairy so he could go and get a drink. Get some... What would he go... Oh, guess what he'd buy? It'll be, it'll be Mother's or, or one, of those, one of those drinks full of, full of um, caffeine. You know, those lemon dr- drinks they drink, five or six bucks full of carbohydrates, full of sugar, just nuts, you know, just absolutely crazy. No wonder the people are run down drinking that rubbish. Anyway, she thought she'd be able, be able to get away because she, she realised that she'd made a terrible mistake. But then a police car pulled in beside her and uh, he activated his lights and Naranoa yelled at the woman, Drive! Just drive! <laughs> just drive! And then she refused. She refused. He jumped over the centre console and sat on top of her and pushed his foot on top of hers onto the accelerator. The car sped away and the woman was pleading to stop. He ordered her back into the back seat. Imagine that. Oh, God, yeah, all right. And he accelerated to 100 kilometres per hour in a 50 kilometre zone. The woman continued pleading with him to let her out and not to crash. He became angry, probably high on pee. He said, shut the F up. He sped through intersections, making no effort to give way. Due to the dangerous nature of the driving, police were forced to abandon the pursuit, especially when there's a woman inside the car. Gosh, yes. Eventually, he drove out of town and pulled over to let the woman out. She's lucky. He could have kept her as a hostage. (laughs) He then continued driving to an address in Waipukurau, that's in central Hawke's Bay, where he left the car and was picked up by an associate, another gang member. Yeah, it's a gang member. And the car was stopped by police and he was arrested. Uh, The arrest was a culmination of a 12-hour spree that began in Hastings the previous evening when Gillies Naranoa 
pointed a firearm at a man in his home and demanded the keys to his car. The offending involved the theft of petrol at a Z petrol station in Havelock North, the aggravated robbery of the New World Grocery Store in Havelock North, where he pointed a firearm at a staff member in the car park before firing the firearm into the, into the car's footwell. The pursuit which led Gillies Naranoa across the paddock began at 9.30 in the morning back at the end of May last year when police found him driving the stolen car near Waipawa. He sped away from police at speed after crashing through the farm gate at Poriririri Road. I think I've got enough riris in that one. And he refused arrest. Gillies Naranoa appeared in the Hastings District Court on Friday. For sent, that was just before the weekend, of course, just for sent just recently. Sentencing, he pleaded guilty on charges of theft, just wanted to get back into jail with his mates. Aggravated robbery, listen to the list. Theft, aggravated robbery, unlawful possession of a firearm, unlawful discharge, that was through the footwell of the car, dangerous driving, resisting arrest, kidnap, unlawful taking a vehicle, and failing to stop. He is a a daycare, a child daycare um, supervisor. No, he's not. Guess what he is? He's a Maori mongrel mob member with a long list of previous offending. He was sentenced to seven years in prison by Judge Gordon Martenga. He'll be out in three to do more offending. He needs to be at Grant Edwards's tent city in the middle of the desert road. There'll be one set up when New Zealand Loyal becomes the government in 2026, I'm going to ask Liz to hire me as the Minister of Corrections. And I'm going to sort it all out. We're going to have mounted prison guards. Mounted. They can ride with shotguns. Mossbergs, I think they are. They use them in Iraq. Little short barrel. And we'll give you more than five shots in the, in the barrel. You'll have, you'll be able to put ten in them because you're, you're licensed to kill. Licensed to shoot on sight. And anyone that tries to escape, they'll be, they'll be, they'll just recap what we're doing here. This is a tent city like Judge, uh, not Judge, what's his name? Sheriff Arapaya did down in Texas somewhere, or Arizona, I think. He had to set up a tent city so it doesn't cost the community much, does it? Doesn't cost the taxpayer. And they're going to be living in tents four seasons of the year on the desert road, smashing rocks. And making one, learning how to learning how to do masonry, all the way along that road, and we New Zealanders, law-abiding New Zealanders, can drive by and see chain gangs of these people, mongrel mob, all the gang, all the criminals, doing hard labour, and if they try to run, try to escape, they'll be shot on sight from a mounted horseman. If they try to escape, it's going to be hard labour, good food too. They'll be so hungry after a hard day's work they could eat a horse. And we've got plenty of horses out there at the desert road. And I tell you what, when we used to chop, my dad used to chop up horse meat, get it from the butcher, for the dog. And I looked at these great big muscles and I thought, gosh, that looks delicious. Why are we giving it to the dog, Dad? Oh, it's horse meat. As if there's something wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it at all. It's lean and mean. You need to have some fat probably with it because it's too lean. You know, lean meat. You can't just survive on lean meat. You need fat. That's why I always choose the the fatty dishes. I always, fatty cuts. I always go with um, sirloin steak, something like that. Strip rib. They call it in America, I think. Strip loin. So yes, I go for those ones because it's got more fat. I cook with fat too. I render it down myself from all our animals, and I keep lots of it. Try not to use oil. Fat's so much better for you. Helps you heal. 
It's just so beneficial. Anyway, that's what they'll be doing. They'll be eating. They'll be. Um, they'll be. Uh, the, um, there'll be horses being killed. We've got a bit of a problem with too many Kaimanawa ponies. And we won't, we're not going to feed them. It's not going to cost a cent. They're going to make money for us. These prisoners are going to be put to work because the devil finds work for idle hands sitting in a cell, talking away with other gang members. Plant, some of them are running businesses inside jail. Because And the other thing we've got is we've got corrupt prison guards. We've got a corrupt prison system, and that needs to be completely changed. Under NZ Loyal, that'll all be, all be changed. We're going to go back to basics. We're going to have a proper written constitution based on the American one. Everyone will be allowed to be armed to defend themselves. It's a basic human right. And in the United States, the states with the least gun control laws have the least crime because people respect you. People, the people, they have such respect for something. They know that someone could actually shoot them back if they and they won't go into break into your home because they know you, they'll get shot and you'll be allowed to. Anyone that breaks into your home, you can shoot them. That's the constitution. You can protect yourself, especially if they're armed. If they're not armed, I don't know. I don't know. You're still best. If they come into your home, that's your castle. You should be allowed to defend your property and your family. It's a basic human right, and these communist globalists are taking it away for one reason only. They know that what they've got planned for us in the future is so bad, they don't want an armed population. And that's why they're, they're creating all these rules. That's why I believe that the um, inquiry that's going on at the moment about the mosque shooting is just a nonsense. The, is it a royal inquiry? I don't know. It's just rubbish. Just absolutely rubbish. All orchestrated, all designed. Countess media know, know it is. Lots of people do. The whole thing was a false flag. People got killed, but a false flag. They don't care if people get killed so long as their globalist, their one-world government plans... Uh, come into fruition to destroy the nation state of every western country in the world all of them eventually and bring in, uh, us all under the united nations and you know the bible tells us there's going to be a world leader that's going to run that united nations he's called he's referred to as the beast there's two beasts actually one of them's a religious leader probably the pope and he's the one that's going to cause people to worship the first beast he'll be a political leader and i believe he'll be a homosexual Jew who's non-believing doesn't follow the God of his fathers like John Key it's all about money doesn't doesn't follow Judaism just like that and he was the one that was pushing for everyone to get vaccinated all of them were Seymour all these guys now that are pretending to, to get the vote to get the anti-vax vote Winston Peters he was saying he's a collectivist as well collectivism is the worst thing you could you could have as as your um as, as people running your country you don't want them running your country you want people that stand up for individual rights because that's that's more important because there's no such thing as a collective as g edward griffin tells us and he's absolutely right it's like there's no such thing as a forest really because when you get in there they're all just trees so it's basically the the, the it's basically one gang lords it over a smaller gang and that's what we've got happening in this country the majority rules and they're importing people that are not right for us to live in our country and right now it's all backfiring on us with Hamas's attack of innocent Israeli civilians back on October the 7th we've now got Muslims from all over the world just creating havoc in the streets we have imported an army of Islamics into our western nations to take us over we don't realize that we're all so so asleep nobody informed us what what kind of a country do you want to be in 50 years' time? No one said, oh, well, we'd like to be Islamic. 
<laughs> and we are they breed quicker than us? We are lucky if we've got two children in a family. They have, I think in, some, in Europe it's something like eight, five wives and eight kids. So there's no way, I mean, Europe's going to be, if, there'll be a big war that'll happen, and the Antichrist will sort the Muslims out. But um, he's going to, of course, he's going to be sorted out anyway. So it's all going to end just in, nor- in the northern part of Israel, in the Valley of Jezreel, or the Valley of Medigo, and the big battle that's coming, that's what this is all about, folks. All the players in the world are going to be involved in this. This is just the beginning of the birth pangs. It's not the end, it's just the beginning. The wars and the rumors of wars. And they're all there, it's all going to happen in Israel. It's called the Battle of the Armageddon. And no flesh would be saved. No one on the earth would be, would be saved unless the Lord intervened. And that's exactly what will happen. He will come back. He will destroy the Antichrist, this leader, this world leader that's going to take over the entire world, who's going to cause everybody on this earth that they cannot buy or sell except they have a mark. Revelation 13, it's there. Read it for yourself. Don't need to take my word for it. When the Bible says something, it always comes true. Two minutes to seven, too, by the way. We'll have that TNT radio news coming up in uh, just about a minute and a half. And so there you go. That's what's going to happen. So we need to be sure that we are on our way to heaven. If you've joined a church thinking that that's going to get you to heaven, you're, you're in big trouble because no church, which is just the people, isn't it? The church is the people. You need to be in the church, and the only way you can be in the church, which, which is the people, the congregation of, of believers, is to repent of your sins because you've broken God's laws. We all have. and But God has made a way for us to escape. He's given us a way. All we've got to do is, is believe by faith. It's just this crazy thought, really. It's almost like a fairy tale, isn't it? That a little Jewish girl gave birth to God, and God himself came to earth as one of us, except that he never sinned because he was going to be a sacrifice, the final sacrifice, the Lamb of God who took away all of our sins if we believe he died for us. If we don't believe he died for us, can't help us. You need to believe that by faith he was buried. He died on that cross, that Roman cross 2,000 years ago. He was buried and he rose again three days later, three full nights in the grave, not Friday to Sunday, three full nights and three full days, just like Noah was, um, Jonah was in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights, full days. And uh, so that's what, that's what you've got to believe. He died and rose again three days later and he's coming back to destroy the Antichrist at the Battle of Armageddon in northern Israel. That's where it's going to be held. And when the Bible says something, it always comes true. Okay, we've got news now. Right now, we've got TNT Radio News. We'll go to that now, and then I'll give you some weather right after that. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. George Soros has funneled over $15 million in the last seven years to the pro-Hamas groups behind the terror-sympathizing protests following the October 7th attack on Israel, a report revealed. A New York Post review of the foundation's records revealed that the far-left billionaire's grant-making network, the Open Society Foundation, distributed $13.7 million to Tide Center, a deep-pocketed lefty advocacy group that sponsors several nonprofits who've justified Hamas's bloody attacks. Beneficiaries of the Tide Centers include the Adalid Justice Project, 
which posted an image to Instagram of a bulldozer tearing part of Israel's border fence down on the day Hamas terrorists carried out a massacre of over 1,400 Israelis. The United Auto Workers and General Motors have agreed to a deal that will put an end to collective bargaining talks between the union and Detroit automakers following more than six weeks of targeted U.S. labor strikes. GM is the final Detroit automaker to reach a deal with the union following historically contentious talks. Dispatch podcast host Sarah Isgar pointed out that Mike Pence dropping out of the 2024 campaign is an example of voters repudiating the old Republican Party. Of, of Trump lovers and because of January, January 6th, he obviously uh, was in a tough spot. In a lot of ways, Mike Pence represented the sort of OG Reagan Republican Party. And the repudiation of Mike Pence by voters is a fascinating moment as the Republican Party shifts. You know, I talked to uh, folks on Pence's team uh, last night and they say we picked the right fights, no regrets. But you know what they'll also point out? That these super PACs combined, the non-Trump super PACs, have spent $175 million. That's a lot of money, and it hasn't moved the needle at all. And so to Rick's point, uh, money isn't going to be the answer here. You're going to have to do something to change this dynamic before Iowa, if you even can. U.S. President Joe Biden has pledged that Washington will stand forever with Israel and is currently pushing Congress to authorize a $14 billion package of military aid for the Jewish state. Meanwhile, Iranian Foreign Minister Hossein Amir Abdalian spoke to the U.N. General Assembly in New York on Thursday and gave a warning to the United States. The history of Iranian civilization shows that we have always supported peace and security. But today in New York and the United Nations, I say frankly to the American statesmen, who are now managing the genocide in Palestine that we do not welcome to expansion of the war in the region. But I warn if the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this fire. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen says it's certain that Iran will retaliate. This was a very fiery statement by the Iranian foreign minister with the United Nations as the backdrop. And what he's effectively done here is draw a very, very clear red line. And he's daring the United States to cross that red line. If the U.S. wants to escalate, then Iran is going to initiate a response. And we've actually had this situation unfold even in the last 24 hours. The United States has killed Iranian special forces in Syria. The United States has chosen to escalate. It's certain that Iran will retaliate. The question is, how are they going to retaliate and in what form? The last time they did this in January 2020, Iran fired a missile and absolutely flattened a U.S. base, the al-Assad military facility in Iraq. And guess what the U.S. did in response? Nothing. They couldn't do anything. And this is the strategic advantage that Iran has in the Middle East. And the United States has no legitimacy to be there to begin with. And everyone knows it. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Thank you, Patrick. And with us next. Now, this is the problem. We have modern women that have nothing else to offer except for their looks. When their looks start to fade and go, older women would say, you know what, you might need to act a little different. You're supposed to move different. You're a mom now. Like, guys, I don't think it's crazy that we don't do the same thing at 16 that we do at 30. 
Okay, it's seven minutes past seven. That's my lot. But before I go, we'll have a look at the weather. The extremes, Kaitaia, 17.3. Also, Palmerston North is up there as well, 17 degrees. Mosgill is the lowest now, 1.8 degrees. Christchurch, the windiest place, 43 kilometres per hour at the Port Hills there. Whittianga has five millimetres per hour of rain pouring down there right now as we speak. Temperatures pretty much the coldest places really is just the Queenstown and uh, we've got Invercargill at two degrees. France Joseph four degrees. Um, really Timaru nine and everybody else is in double digits all the way up, all the way up to 17. How about that? All right, let's look at that short forecast. I'll leave you with that. And uh, so if I can just find my way to it. Where have you gone? Oh, there you are. Okay, uh, let's see. The short forecast in the west from north into Taranaki. Taranaki, also including the central high country. Periods of rain but scattered showers this afternoon with thunderstorms possible from Waitomo to Manawatu. For Coromandel, the Bay of Plenty, Gisborne and Hawke's Bay also will add Wairarapa in there as well because it's all happening out on the east coast at the moment. Rain heavy at times from Hawke's Bay northwards but showers this afternoon with possible thunderstorms. In Taihapi, Wanganui and Manawatu, isolated showers becoming widespread this afternoon with possible thunderstorms. Horowanua to Wellington, also you've got isolated showers. Nelson in the South Island, along with Marlborough and Buller, patchy drizzle clearing this morning, but low cloud remaining about the Kaikoura coast. Isolated showers in the evening, and you've got showers as well with thunderstorms possible. For Canterbury, Otago and Southland, fine weather apart from low cloud near the coast and isolated afternoon and evening showers in inland Canterbury, and you'll have thunderstorms possible as well. For Westland, Fiordland, fine weather apart from cloudy periods in Fiordland, and finally for the Chatham Islands, cloudy periods, rain developing in the evening. Well, that's my lot. It's eight past seven, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow morning, Lord willing, right now. If you go over to some of the apps, we continue with 24-7, today's best country here at The Wireless. You're listening to The Wireless. Thank you.